Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike and that is Doug. Dude, emergency podcast. Emergency, emergency podcast, podcast, dude. Emergency podcast. Emergency podcast. Dude, uh We got the we got ago. the signal, the bat signal in the sky that we had to do a podcast. That's right. Uh Doug Wilson put up the uh the bat signal and has finally had enough. And Pete DeBoer relieved of uh his coaching duties for the San Jose Sharks as well as his, as his entire staff except for new interim head coach Bob Bugner dude I don't want to say that we called it but we called it I think you called it I didn't call nothing you, dude, you, I just you had this much more than me you said I think you texted me earlier today when is when is DeBoer on the hot seat well I said I I, I told you I said I don't think DeBoer's going to make it through the month is what I said. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't think it was going to be today. But you know, it the timing does make a lot of sense. I mean, the Sharks just had one of the most miserable road trips in recent memory coupled with their terrible showing against the Washington Capitals in the last game of the homestand. I just don't know what else there was to see. Like, I mean, clearly this team has lost its way under the current leadership and they had to do something otherwise this was going to be a lost season i guess the the thing i'm having difficulty understanding is this is a bad stretch don't get me wrong but i don't quite understand why they would pull the trigger now and they didn't pull the trigger during the last losing streak which was really just as bad yeah i mean i think maybe you can uh, every, I mean, Boston just lost their fourth game in a row tonight. I mean, you can you can explain away bad stretches, and so maybe that first one was forgivable, especially when they went, you know, on an eight and two run after that. But then, you know, you look at like we we talked about on the last podcast, which I think we recorded about an hour ago. <laughs> you know. Uh, that the underlying statistics of this team are incredibly troubling. Like they're, they're awful against the best teams in the league. We know, you know, that their advanced stats are brutal. Uh, their, their goal differential is, is, is bad. And the goaltending is the worst thing of all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to see that, I mean, Hedberg absolutely had to go. They have to try something else because they can't do anything about the majority of the players that are on this team. Right. You know what I mean? They, these guys are going to be around unless they take a massive sledgehammer and sell players off at discount prices. You know, and Doug Wilson, I don't think, is going to be willing to just admit that he was wrong. Sure. Yeah. He's got to save his own hide, too. <laughs> right. So this was the 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 first attempt at riding the ship and we've seen it work this year we've seen it work in small sample size 
uh, in Toronto. We saw Dallas win their first game, which we won't even get into all that with Montgomery. Who knows what that is? But yeah. we'll, we'll save that for later. But um, we've seen – we saw the t- St. Louis Blues win the whole darn thing last year after they got rid of Mike Yo and they changed the voice in the room. On paper, this team is not bad. This team should be good. This team, I think, should be at the top of the Pacific. So when they're ranking in the bottom fifth of the league, yeah. well, yeah, you got to do something. So the question is, when do they officially start with Mike Babcock? <laughs> Dude, if all this stuff hadn't gone down, I would have said it would have been today. I mean, you know, like (laughs) I I think that, you know, uh, with all of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks, I mean, Mike Babcock's not going to have a coaching job anytime soon. Ever, ever. You know, we we said that, you know, it was like Bruce Boudreaux was out of a job for, what, a week? Yeah. You know, after, you know, the Ducks let him go, Minnesota jumped at the chance to get him. And, you know, I think when DeBoer was announced being fired, um, we wondered if it was going to be Bugner, it seemed like that would be the easy choice, or if there was some outside candidate like we've seen, you know, I mean, I almost, I almost said, here comes Ken Hitchcock, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like uh, what, what they might do. But um, I think that their choice says a lot about what they're hoping to do with some of these roster spots that are still unsettled. Right. I mean, by going with Bugner, by adding Mike Ricci, uh, Roy Somner, uh, and Evgeny Nabokov, three guys who've been working exclusively with the team's younger development players. Doesn't that tell you a lot? It's clear. I think that it's clear that that's where the rift was between Doug Wilson and Pete DeBoer. We've talked about it a lot how Pete DeBoer is a very short leash with the young players. He brings them up. They play one or two games. They get benched in the second game and then sent down after that. And and it's a defensible position. Okay, you want to win hockey games. I get DeBoer wants to win hockey games. I'm not really going to fault him for that. But if you have a a fundamentally different philosophy for how the team should be run from your general manager, then at some point, if you start losing a couple hockey games, this kind of thing is going to come to a head. And I guess that's what we saw here. It's not that Pete DeBoer's a bum, and I know there's going to be a lot of people like you know crowing on on social media and on the internet about how they were right and how Pete DeBoer sucks. I don't think that's really the case. I think Doug Wilson eventually came to the conclusion that the only way forward is for these young players to play. We have to get them into the lineup. We have to understand if we can turn them into NHL players. Clearly, Mario Ferraro is an NHL player. He's played every game this year. He's been healthy. And I I think Doug Wilson may be thinking the same thing about one of these other guys, Leon Bergman or somebody else. Is, is this guy... Maybe you give him a little bit more rope than Mario Ferraro, but all of a sudden he's in the lineup for 30 games straight. And the fact is DeBoer didn't seem to want to do that. And so Wilson said, okay, uh, we got to put somebody in there that's going to do that, that's going to agree with me on this on this, this strategy. And right. uh, I, I guess I, I understand that. Yeah. 
I mean, one one person who maybe should be a little concerned about this new direction is uh, the shark who recently joined the team is Patrick Marlowe. I mean, he might be the one who you could see. We're going to find out whether that was Doug Wilson's idea or whether Pete DeBoer sort of demanded having another veteran forward. Is Bugner, Ricci, Somner, are they going to play Marlowe or is he going to start getting scratched? It's a good question. I, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. That could be sort of right where this, uh, you know, th- this whole change of the guard could really manifest itself. Is that they're like, okay, if Patrick Marlowe isn't going to produce, why don't we put in Chekovich and he cannot produce? At least he's going to get some minutes and get some seasoning at the NHL level, right? You know that that seems to be where they're going for sure. I. I you know I can't imagine that honestly that Ricci and Somner will be like permanent additions to the coaching staff, but it wouldn't surprise me since Bob Bugner was an NHL head coach just last year that he could very well be you know the permanent choice. But they're not going to say that so quickly. They're not going to say it instantly. Well, it's going to depend on how they do. I mean, of you course, know, of if, course, if, if the team barely makes the playoffs or you know continues to limp along. Uh, and struggle, then, you know, Bob Bugner is going to be out probably completely, you know, and you, we, we may say, see even bigger changes than that, including people up in the front office, if this goes completely wrong. Right. I'm but sure. um, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad something was done because it just was, it, it's gotten so ugly I'm, I'm, it was interesting. Like I was looking at Twitter right before we we started our emergency pod, and Evander Kane like posted, like retweeted, like "Thank you, incredible guys. Thank you for everything." And I was like, "Dude, you're part of the reason why they're fired." Yeah, because you're you are completely out of control. Like he it, he it, for him in the Nashville game to do what he did again. Like I mean, like you're yeah. you are you are one of our best players. You can't be gone for 17 minutes because you went nuclear on Dan Hamhuse. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like he has completely lost his mind in the last this whole year. He did it in the preseason. Yeah, yeah like, I know. He's completely lost his mind. Like they they don't have any control over him. Like and he's he's hurting the team because he's so damn good, right? At what he does, but he I don't know if he's doing it because he feels like he's got to like, you know, be be the toughness on the team, and maybe that's more on Doug Wilson than anybody else, right? But you know, they gotta do something to try and get Evander Kane doing what he does best, which is not fighting. Like I'm worried about Ryan Reeves or like fighting Austin Watson and getting an instigator because we already know. And that was a bunch of garbage in my opinion that he got an instigator on that. Oh, for the, yeah. After the hit. Yeah. He's a marked man. Yeah. He is. He's got to understand that, you know, 
Yeah, he's got to build some goodwill in the league before he's going to start getting some of those calls. Because right now, he I think, rightly or wrongly, he's seen as the problem child. And they're only too happy to throw the book at him right now. So he's got to keep his nose clean. He's the same same way that Tom Wilson's been and so many other players in the league. They You get that reputation, and all of a sudden, the refs and everybody else are going to see things through a certain shade of glasses. And you're not going to be given the benefit of the doubt, even though he's a great player and a, and a goal scorer. Right. He's when it comes to the physical stuff, he's not going to get that extra leash that somebody maybe like Joe Thornton got with the Peter Morazic situation, right? If it right. was Evander Kane who punched Peter uh, Morazic, yeah. I think Evander Kane would be sitting out a couple games. You're right. So that's those are the kinds of things I, I agree with you on. That I, we we need him in the lineup every night. We need him on the top power play every night. We need him playing. Because he's extremely effective. Jeez, he's he's so good when he's when he's on his game. It's very difficult to stop. So well, it'll be very very interesting to see what um, the roster looks like over the next several weeks. You know, um, if there are roster moves uh, that are going to be going with sort of this change, and I'm not talking about major trades. I'm talking about minor players. Um, you know, I mean, another thought I had in addition to Patrick Marlowe is, you know, Barkley Goudreau has been playing a much more prominent role and doing well, but his absence from the fourth line has been, in- <laughs> been incredibly glaring, you yeah. know, and, and like, I think he might be better there than he is in the top six. Like, so shouldn't we be playing one of these young skill guys there instead of Barkley Goudreau? You know, I'm going to disagree with you on that because if Barkley Goudreau steps up and is playing a top six role and is playing well, he's one of the bright spots on the team. I mean, he's not uh, Patrick Sharp here, right? He's not like a, a traditional second line center. But if, if he's doing well in, a, in an increased role, like you can't punish him for that by saying, oh, we need you on the fourth line. It's but like- I don't... I don't see it as a punishment, dude. I see, like, when I think about the St. Louis Blues last year, or I think about the Vegas Golden Knights, those guys, they might be playing 10 or 12 minutes, but they're like rock stars, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you feared them. You were mortified whenever they came on the ice because you knew they were just going to destroy you. And I don't think that Goudreau is quite in that category no he's not you know but 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 he plays with an edge and he's offensively gifted and he's the kind of guy that i think you know eventually during the year this is going to catch up with him and he's not going to be as good in a top line nine role but could he be better long term in a fourth line role like a like you know a a skilled fourth line role i'm just i'm i'm sort of talking out loud here i'm just going to be curious to see what happens with because to me it is a waste to bring up some of these young guys and play them on the fourth line against Ryan Reeves and have them get destroyed not every first of all not every team has a Ryan Reeves line that's going to destroy them and second I don't mind them playing a fourth line role as long as they're getting some minutes if they're playing three minutes then you're right that makes no sense if they're playing fourth line and Bugner just rolls all lines and the top line's playing 18 minutes and the fourth line's playing 10 to 12 minutes, then that's, those are the kinds of, you know, that's enough. That's enough for young guys. You don't need to play the young guys 15 minutes a night to know if they're any good. You can play them 10 minutes a night 
and get a better idea and then you move them around a little bit in the lineup maybe try them with some different pairs and stuff but that's kind of what i what i would rather see it's like you keep barkley goodrow where he's been effective this year you gotta you gotta encourage guys to perform if they get moved up in the lineup you gotta reward that kind of be you know that kind of play i would hate to like punish him for playing well you know it's like yeah, sure I mean, we need I, a fourth line but but you know yeah we got enough I guys get it. i I understand what you're saying. I guess I just I don't see it as a punishment when I think it could make the team better, you know. But but I I know what you're saying. That I I hear you. I think that we definitely there will be a lot of uncertainty, and I expect and I hope that they're going to try some different things. Yeah. Like I mean, if they're just going to continue to do everything that that was being done before, then what's the point? Like you know, I think you're going to have to bring some of these guys up. You're going to have to check them out. You, maybe the happiest guy in all this is Tim Heed. I mean, you know, is Tim right. Heed been great? You know what I mean? Like, are we going to see – I mean, because when Tim Heed started playing, we thought he was pretty good, and now he's gone to be basically, you know, a dumpster fire. And, you know, will he be allowed to do what it is that I thought he did when I saw him play initially, which is be a little bit more of an offensive-minded, freewheeling guy? You know, um, we'll see. You know, uh, and – but – the biggest thing, dude, is can Nabokov fix these goalies? Can he fix them? That's that's the big that's the biggest question. Because if there's one position the Sharks desperately need an improvement, it's that for sure. They desperately need an improvement. They need they need some quality starts out of these guys. You can't give up two goals in the first five shots every game and expect to win. It's just not going to happen. And in, in Jones's defense, he did not do that in in Nashville. Hooray! And, uh, you know, um, but in the end, they still lost that game. Um, he was not embarrassing in that game, but they still lost the game. Right, dude. If I was in Vegas tomorrow, I would put a thousand dollars on the Sharks to beat the New York Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually, the first game after you get a new coach, teams do pretty well after that. I'm sure the Rangers are like. Damn it, really? <laughs> These guys were getting their asses kicked for a week or two, and like they were just yeah. on the downslope, and everyone was beating on them. And now they got this new coach. Oh, man, we're dead. Yeah, although on the flip side, teams that come off of long road trips on their first game back usually lose. True, so, that's true. Um, I take it back. I would not put 1,000. I might put 100. But, but not nine hundred. But no, I mean, so the Sharks have a thing going for them, and they have a major thing going against them, which is that you know game off a road trip. So, um, I don't know, dude. I will be watching intently tomorrow to see um, if anything's different. If we see more of, as it was cited, I think by folks who reported this. There was no, there was a lack of sixty minute effort, mm -hmm. and I think that that was it's well said. Right, you know that is true. A lack of sixty minute effort and some real regression from some of the Sharks' star players. They've gotten significantly less effective. So something's wrong. Yeah, and we're going to find out if it was the coach or if this team just is uh, a bad idea in general, or if this was just. That's DeBoer's shelf life, which it appeared to be in two other places, right? Right around this time is when he was let go. So yeah. it's just a, a new message is needed, right? The class needs a new professor, all those cliches. 
maybe that's the case. They just need a, 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 a similar message just delivered in a different way, slightly different levers and buttons to push, and the Sharks might react differently than they did to Pete DeBoer. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm incredibly grateful to him being the coach, you know, that took the team to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's not a garbage coach. I don't think any real Shark fan believes that. But I do think that this year there were there there are significant problems, and he was part of it. Yeah, he he is part of it. He's not, you know, he bears some of the responsibility. The players bear some of the responsibility. Doug Wilson bears some of the responsibilities. So Pete DeBoer, as we suspected, was going to be the one who was going to take the ball. And he did. He took it. Let's see how the Sharks react. Let's see. We're going to find out. All right. Go Sharks. Go Sharks. Hate the show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League. 